the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As you know, I interviewed Dr. Jerome Corsi a little more than a week ago. And I have been a fan of Dr. Jerome Corsi for a number of years. The reason I'm a fan of him is that he is an accomplished renaissance man of knowledge. He really is. And I say that not often. This is a man who uh, did everything he wanted to do with his intellect and continues to put up a fight for truth in the face of some terrible lies that have destroyed our society, taken trillions of dollars out of our economy. And we need him desperately. That's why I'm very excited that he is going to continue to produce works and he is going to continue to take on the great lie. His name is Dr. Jerome Corsi. Thank you so much for joining me, Dr. Jerome Corsi. How are you? I'm great, Sean. Great pleasure to be back with you. Thank you. You know what I love about this is that um, you inspire me as somebody who never gives up in the face of all kinds of attacks, in the face of, I mean, you've, you've become an expert in investing. You, be, you graduated from Harvard. You could have rest on that alone and had a nice, cushy life, but you continue to take on what you know to be falsehoods. And it's really not just for yourself. You could have retired years ago, but it's for generations yet born. And as I look at what is happening politically, how information has been weaponized to mislead entire societies, that's why I appreciate so much what you're doing. And you're continuing to do it when most people would go down to Florida like I do and walk on the beach. Well, I do have a passion for telling the truth and getting the truth out. And I am now at a point in my career where I'm going to retire from active politics, as day-to-day fighting in the, you know, in the, in the ring with all the others in political issues. But I'm going to go to a higher level and, and write books and uh, do more in terms of reflective writing, uh, hopefully that will have a long life, possibly beyond my own, in order to get the truth of these issues out. My current book on global warming, you know, the truth about, I started with the truth about, that's how the book starts, the mm-hmm. truth about energy, global warming, and climate change, and the subtitle, in, in an era of disinformation, which is what we're living in. But I think this book is about the truth, and I do intend to do everything I can to argue these points and get people to understand that the whole hysteria over uh, carbon dioxide, which you know what, did not use fossil fuels, is not founded in uh, legitimate science. You know, this is, uh, if you look at it from the opposite side, if you look at it from the side of the profiteer of fear, if you look at it from the side of the totalitarian despots, this is the perfect weapon to use against a society. Because for decades, for generations, society has been repeating a lie. And now it is ingrained in the base knowledge of how human beings think of energy. So they've already built this diabolical prison, intellectual prison of misinformation, with the original building block of the lie of a, of a finite fossil fuel, which is a joke, is it not? It is. I mean, the uh, the whole idea that oil or natural gas, hydrocarbon fuels are decaying uh, 
organic material, you know, dinosaurs, as they say, although they're happy to have any kind of dying organic material produce hydrocarbons, is, it is not factually based in science. No dead tissue decomposes into a higher form of energy. It violates the second law of thermodynamics. Basically, the reason we bury dead people is because they deteriorate, they decompose, and they smell bad. And it happens with every living thing. It decomposes. I used to say I had a cat when I was a kid, and I buried the cat in the backyard. Died, cat got run over by a car. And when I dug it up a few years later, there was no oil. <laughs> a few bones, that's about it. Yes, and they, uh, they, they continue to spin this web of deceit in the face of being proven wrong day in and day out. They have been making these, these um, chicken little hyper scare tactics for at least 70 years, and for 70 years, the predictions of what I call eco-Nazis, the predictions have been absolutely wrong. And the beauty is, if you look at it without the politicization of it, if you look at it in just the results, it is undeniable that oil as we know it, energy, natural gas, methane gas, none of it is finite. Is that correct? That's right. Now, what I've done in this book, you know, the truth about energy and global warming, climate change. It's, you can look it up on Amazon and all the other sites. It'll be in the bookstores soon. Um, this, I start out going through the history of how all this nonsense developed going back to World War II, the end of World War II. I trace it back to the Malthusians, who at that period of time were arguing essentially that we had too many people and our resources on the planet were finite. We were going to run out. Now, that morphed over periods of time, over the 50s and 60s. Uh, you had uh, John Holdren joined together with, he became the science czar for President Obama. He joined with the Ehrlichs who were writing the population bomb. And he began saying, well, the real problem is that we're going to um, cause global, they were worried then about global cooling. We're going we're to destroy the planet because of how we're, exploiting the natural resources of the planet. And they finally decided it was going to be global warming because, in fact, the Earth wasn't at that point cooling. The Earth goes through cycles, but the point is they latched on to global warming and said if you don't stop using hydrocarbon fuels, we're all going to die. So a whole indoctrinated generation in schools now believe that their future is going to be destroyed because the planet is going to burn up in heat created by burning hydrocarbon fuels. And the first section of the book goes through all of this, these writings, and I show Julian Simon, who was a brilliant natural resource economist, who argued that you know this hoax about running out of oil or coal has been going on since the Industrial Revolution. 1850s, they were worried about this in Great Britain. We we're going to run out of coal. It's never happened. Now, the book, two-thirds of the book, goes into the science. And I look at the Fischer-Tropsch equations, which were developed by the German chemists in the 20s and 30s. Germany had lots of coal, but it did not have oil. And they were trying to decide how to create oil or hydrocarbon fuels for for 
cars, for airplanes, for anything that ran hydrocarbon fuels out of coal. And the equations, which I went to the National Archives and dug out, they were on microfilm, because after World War II, the United States military got a hold of all the German science we could get a hold of, including the Fischer-Tropsch equations. And those equations show how oil is synthesized in natural processes within the earth, the mantle of the earth. And I show in this book the chemical equations. And I show the various books written and after World War II by chemists who legitimately understood that the Fischer-Tropsch equations explains how oil hydrocarbons are produced in the mantle of the earth under this pressure and temperature conditions by a catalytic process in which the hydrogen and carbon atoms are joined and form various hydrocarbon molecules. I show the equations. I discuss the literature. And does so this come from the 310,000 pages that um, I believe it's the University of New Mexico, right, has had well, since you, World War II? They've had them at University of New Mexico. They also have them in the National Archives. I had to search and find the microfilm roll in which these papers were stored away. And I copied, copied the whole file and studied them. And it was absolutely apparent, clear to me, that these German chemists in the 20s and 30s had figured out how oil was made. Uh, it's not a organic, it's another fundamental disconnect. We say organic chemistry, which is, you know, live chemicals, carbons, hydrocarbons. Well, in oil, that's all under organic chemistry. Well, it's just all chemicals. There's not living chemicals and dead chemicals. It's not that oil comes from a living chemical, namely a hydrocarbon or carbon that was in a living tissue. It's the fact that there's plenty of carbon, including in the mantle of the earth. It doesn't have to be, the earth doesn't care whether it was living or not living. It's just carbon. Exactly. When it's produced with, you know, the hydrogen and a catalyst under these temperature conditions and temperature pressure conditions, uh, oil various hydrocarbon chains will form. And there's a whole list of them. I went through all of this to explain to people that oil is constantly being produced by the Earth on an ongoing basis, and uh, it's, it's almost inexhaustible. I mean, you know, the Earth itself is exhaustible, but within terms of what human beings could utilize, we'll be running our batteries on our cars on nuclear batteries before we ever run out of hydrocarbon fuels. And this also takes on the point that um, for my lifetime and for most of yours, politicians, in conjunction with corrupt oil companies, have been spewing the lie that this is a finite product in order to make massive, massive profits and keep their exclusivity. The reality is in 2012, we had a fine that I don't hear a lot of people talk about, but at the time it was game-changing. And that was that we have oceans and oceans of oils that they discovered under the northwest region of our nation. However, the reality is every single state has it. It also explains why Germany was able to launch an offensive war with machinery that really wasn't fuel efficient. And it explains why our, our uh, strategy in winning that war was to target the 87 factories where they were making a synthetic oil. Is that not true? Yeah, the, it was a strategic bombing study done at the end of World War II. And what it determined was that bombing cities really just made the people angry. It really did not in any way deter the 
Germans' ability to fight the war or the Japanese in World War II, what uh, was effective for both defeating Japan and defeating Germany was to bomb the oil and various chemical plants. Because at the end of World War II, Germany had the equipment, the tanks, to launch the Battle of the Bulge. But they ran out of diesel fuel. They ran out of basically hydrocarbons to run the tanks. And that's what stalled them and basically defeated the Germans at the end of the war. Germany ran out of fuel, and they ran out of chemicals that were needed to produce various processes that were involved in munitions. And that's the bombing that was effective. Now, the point of all of this is that, as I show in this book, the truth about all of this, the energy and global warming, is that this whole current movement to reimagine capitalism has captured the green movement and has turned into a end capitalism crusade on the sustainability and these other themes. And so from there, what the book does is it then goes into the science of energy, global warming, and climate change. And I'm showing you how fundamental processes of physics just explain, starting with the sun, explain a lot of how the weather occurs on the Earth. But I also then show that there's cataclysmic change. You know, the mountains didn't rise because the planet has been in a steady state. People don't realize that pre-Cambrian periods of Earth's history is uh, about 80% of Earth's history. Mm -hmm. There were virtually no living things on the surface of the Earth for 80% of our time as a planet. We go back 4.65 billion years, and most of that's unknown. To assume that the Earth 4.65 billion years ago was like it is today is not appropriate because it isn't. And I show how the Earth changes have been dramatic, including theories that, you know, they, they, the left likes to say, well, this is settled science. This is everybody has a consensus on science. Well, that's not the case. Science is never settled, except ideologically. What the left means is they've made up their minds that it's going to be dangerous to burn hydrocarbon fuels, and so everybody has to agree with that. That's the scientific consensus they're talking about. It's ideological. Mm -hmm. and what, it's not scientific. What I view it as is a weaponized hypothesis used as a control baton to beat down any kind of threat to the lie that continues to be proven a lie by the uh, the wrong predictions in the crazy, crazy idea that we are going to be drowned by oceans, ice caps are going to melt away, and that somehow if I drive my car less, I'm helping at the same time governments are weaponizing countries to blow up other countries. I, 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 that stupidity alone is something that I think people have to be curious about. And I'm hoping that your book is enough to do it because the reality is governments have a, uh, a goal in control. And that goal is used by spreading this hyper lie to have the people in fear. Because what history has shown is once people are afraid, they'll pretty much give up every right, every liberty, every dollar as long as they can uh, be made to feel safe by a government that can never deliver safety. 
Well, this is the third book I've written on the subjects of energy, global warming, climate change. I wrote a book called Black Gold Stranglehold in 2006, which I really introduced the idea that um, hydrocarbon fuels are not fossil fuels. They're not from dinosaurs or organic tissue or microbes or anything else. And um, that book did extremely well. But this book has got really, I went deeply into the science. Now, I'll make the science readable, understandable. You can understand it. But what I'm saying is, okay, so all the predictions we've had from Al Gore, all these horrible things that are going to happen, we keep burning hydrocarbon fuels, have not happened. But when you look at how the Earth's temperature and, and climate functions, the weather, weather is really the everyday climate of the patterns. But the point is that it's a very complex process, and it's, it's based on linear equations. In other words, it changes. The same set of factors don't produce the same result the next time. So the idea that we say, well, if we stop burning hydrocarbon fuels, we're going to reduce carbon dioxide by such and such amount is nonsense given the way the equations work. You're, it's, it's, you're it's seeing dynamic. So, for instance, if the planet, carbon dioxide follows the Earth heating up. Mm-hmm. In other words, when the Earth gets warmer, there's more plants growing which produce more carbon dioxide. Mm-hmm. Okay, so basically, your carbon dioxide is something that the plants inhale and grow. They exhale oxygen, which we breathe. And so when there's more plants, you know, basically there's plenty of carbon dioxide that's fueling those plants. That's part of the dynamics. Carbon dioxide, if you go back in Earth's history, is not this hockey puck, and I demonstrate that very well. Mm-hmm. Because, again, there are periods of time, in, in fact, in this pre-Cambrian period, going through Earth's geological time, when we had much more carbon dioxide than we have in the atmosphere today. Right. Planet's still here. Yeah, there were no Buicks driving on highways. In fact, they used to call it photosynthesis, and it's what everybody learned in third grade. Well, is that's right. Building block and, of science. You know, and also, as you get into the realities of what these alternative fuels require, they are also themselves very hydrocarbon intensive. I mean, how are you going to mine the lithium you need to do the batteries for (laughs) electrical cars? How are you going to produce the electricity you need to power the electric cars? And the efficiency of these different types of energy, which I demonstrate, you know, the Hydrocarbon fuels, because they're combusted, have a very high energy ratio, whereas these other fuels have to be used as produced or stored in batteries, and they've got a very low energy ratio in terms of the what it takes to produce these fuels, like the electricity to, to fuel electric cars, versus getting oil or natural gas, and fueling with hydrocarbon fuels, which is cheaper, abundant, and more efficient. Once people get over the fear that by burning hydrocarbon fuels and creating carbon dioxide, all we're going to do is create more plants, which also create more oxygen. What I'm enjoying about right now, what we're seeing in the uh, weaponization of misinformation, is there is a major pivot going on, and I'm wondering if This is something that people are picking up on. They are now saying that oceans 
the reason that they're not getting the results that they predicted is because oceans are acting as a sponge and they're saving us from ourselves and we need to be thankful when the reality is water vapor is the largest contributor to greenhouse gases. Are there people smart enough? And when I say there, I mean those people that have been buying this pablum lockstep. Are they smart enough to realize that they are pivoting on a major lie, a major fraud of their hypothesis? And are they going to reject an obvious lie of this magnitude as they pretend the oceans are acting as a sponge rather than contributing to the largest problem of their theory? Well, see, the oceans are one of the major, probably one of the major factors of producing weather and climate on the Earth. And uh, this book demonstrates some of the science which have shown that various currents that flow in the oceans, you know, the El Nino, we've heard about these various currents. Mm -hmm. These currents have a major effect upon the temperature of the Earth, not far greater than carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide is not a major driver of Earth's temperature. It, it's a it's a consequence. You know, there's a lot of different reactions I go through in this book to have people understand. Even cosmic rays hitting the Earth affect Earth weather. Clouds. It's a very dynamic system, and the purpose of weather is really to distribute heat around the Earth. It's a it's an Earth heat distribution system, and it works effectively so that the Earth basically takes whatever heat there is and tries through weather patterns, clouds, oceans, etc., to distribute that heat. And, you know, when we go through an ice age, it had more of than these warming periods, which we're in right now, these are major factors that cause the ice ages, which is more related to the amount of sun and solar energy we get. And I, I go through the even the Milankovitch cycles, which is how the Earth orbits the sun, which is elect elliptical, and it varies. So there's a lot of things here, a lot of moving parts. And if you understand the science, this whole reduction of everything to carbon dioxide is not, not legitimate science. No. And they, I even go through the... the Statistical analysis, I've done lots of, you know, I did research for the federal government on National Science Foundation projects that have run randomized field experiments. You know, I understand the statistics and understand all of the methodologies. And so when you get Michael Mann coming out with saying it's a hockey stick and it's warmer now than ever, it's by rigging the data. Exactly. They show that very effectively. Show it in terms of the statistical techniques. I go to the statisticians and show the flaws in Michael Mann's research. My book is game-changing. When you read this book, The Truth About Energy, Global Warming, Climate Change, you are not going to be able to listen to this uh, international, the United Nations nonsense about global warming is going to kill us all because we're burning hydrocarbon fuels. It is not legitimate science. And my book points that out. It's game-changing. You're going to have to refute the scientific arguments I'm making. Most of the thousand footnotes in this book are the scientific articles so there's a thousand footnotes from what i you know i'm lucky enough to have an advanced um preview of the book and the book is going to be massive is it not i mean how I, I, my advanced preview is 400 and 
85 pages. How, how many pages are the book? And it needs to be this big because you're dissecting the fraud from the very beginning. Uh, the book's probably going to be about 400 pages printed. Oh, it is. Okay. Double the size of what I've written in typical books. Mm-hmm. And it's gotten excellent reviews from physicists at the Harvard faculty, from top meteorologists, from uh, mostly scientific reviews, which are in the book. And uh, you know, as a political scientist, I'm really going deeply into understanding the mathematics and the chemistry and the physics uh, involved in all these processes, climate, the creation of oil, what oil is and how it's made, uh, all the earth changes. I explore various theories like expanding earth, that the earth geologically has expanded. I mean, first of all, people have to understand that we human beings, let's say we've been here 10 million years, that's like about less than a second in earth history. Mm-hmm. People have to understand and think geologically, you know, geological time may take ten or 20,000 years for something to become a cycle. Going back historically, we've had five major extinctions where over 90% of everything, on, or 85% of everything on the Earth has died. Well, those are not simple processes. They've involved great, massive changes, not something as simple as a little bit more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. Yes. In the beginning of this um, eco-Nazism, there was a Chicago legend named John Coleman who was more than a meteorologist. We had the luck of seeing him on TV, and he was quite the charismatic character that he was. He was also a scientist and the founder of the Weather Channel. He was a big push back against the Al Gore witchcraft and the rest of it. And at that time, he made a claim that there were 19,000 scientists that disagreed with the misinformation, disagreed with the hockey stick, disagreed with the hypothesis of, of fear and control. Are there more or less scientists now that are pushing back against this fascist control of misinformation? I would say that the, you know, the radical left controls most of the universities around the world. And most scientists are not going to refute and could end their career. You start saying in a university, I'm not worried about climate change or global warming, you're likely not to get tenure or to be fired, even if you've got tenure, because it's not acceptable. We have in, but if you go through the science data and you read the articles, I mean, that, you know, for most of the geological record of the past 500 million years, the Earth's concentration of carbon dioxide was fluctuating between values two to four times greater than those of today. Okay, so, I mean, the Earth has had massive fluctuations in the amount of hydro, uh, carbon dioxide concentration in the atmosphere. So, basically, you can say over the past 175 million years, the data shows there's been a long-term decline in the Earth's carbon dioxide content. So the actual pattern is a much higher concentration of carbon dioxide over the past 500 million years, which started reducing in the last 175 million years. And what this suggests is that rather than being a 
driver of Earth's climate or temperature, the atmospheric concentration of carbon dioxide, the dependent variable, with no apparent correlation to Earth's climate or temperature through geological time. Because the Earth has gone through ice ages in that period of time and global warming in that time. It's gone through extinctions. Okay, so basically, people have to be able to think in geological time and understand this data so that understanding the time frame, which is inherent in like time series analysis of data, makes fraudulent this International Policy Climate Committee of the UN, which says we've looked over, they kind of cherry pick to create their anthropogenic carbon dioxide argument, picking warmer temperatures in the 1990s, well, they ignore the cooling period that was going on from 1940 to 1970, and that's, that's a second in geological time, less than a second, because if you look back 500 million years ago, a lot more carbon dioxide around. Okay, so this whole idea that carbon dioxide is a driver or is like the, the thermostat of whether the Earth is cooler or warmer is absolute nonsense when you look at geological history and examine the real data. Now I want to um, I want to let my audience know that um, you and I have talked, and through your generosity, you have agreed to um, let me offer a book a week to one of my listeners, pre-sale obviously, and that they'll get it once it's released. Um, but we're going to do this once a week. You and I are going to have this chat. We're going to air some of it on my radio station, and then we're going to air it on our podcast and website in its in its full content. Because this book needs to be explained in multi pieces. Because it is what we have been living through is an assault on many different levels, both the original science and the lies and the recreation of data, and then the, my favorite part, and I think it's. It's going to be yours because you spent so many years in the financial world. Is the way in which this misinformation and data is being used to overthrow the freedom of propertyism called capitalism, and to control and and cost the constituents of the of of the world, the the commoners, the ordinary man, untold trillions. I mean, I I I'm I'm wondering if you come to an absolute dollar amount. Don't give it away yet. But I want to tell the audience that they are going to have an option to go and listen to us talk in, it, in, in our entirety. But this is going to be a process until the release of your book. And I want to let them know how generous you've been. So we're going to give a book away a, a, a week to one of the listeners. And um, what you've done is more generous than that. I understand that you're, you wrote a book and it's going to be for sale. But what you've done is given a pushback. And you've showed the courage that needs to be shown in the face of arguably the biggest lie every not just our nation but the world has faced and the reason why is to control each and every human being on the planet i think i can't thank you enough for writing it i can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity to interview you once a week until the book is released and i love what you're doing on behalf of uh, generations yet born and uh, when we get you know we just had a big win by the supreme court in neutering to a certain extent the EPA. And when you realize that the EPA is an executive order, that the people didn't want it, Congress didn't, didn't uh, create it, and you see the power it has over us, 
I think your book is perfectly timed. And I'm curious to know if you think it is going to be a game changer the way I hope it is. Well, it is, I, I'm so committed to this book. I am going to fund letting you, you – know, giving books away through your program because I, I want the word to get out. And you know what I've done in this book is, yes, if we abandon hydrocarbon fuels, the standard of living, not only in the United States but around the world, is going to go down dramatically. We're not going to be able to produce uh, the, the food, the industrial activity, uh, the technology. All these things are dependent on having a reliable, available source of relatively inexpensive fuel. Uh, we're only experiencing right now high gas prices, $5 a gallon or however high it's going to go. I mean, I want people to start thinking about oil costing $200 a barrel. So right now at $100 a barrel. I want people to start thinking about the possibility that gasoline could cost $10 a gallon. If that's the case, we are going to, on a argument that is not scientifically based, that we need to reduce carbon dioxide, stop burning hydrocarbon fuels, we are going to kill capitalism, which ultimately achieves the goal that these writers of the end of World War II wanted, which is to reduce the population worldwide. There's too many people. So that's kind of the globalist aim here. And it's predicated on, as you say, creating a fear that we're all going to die because the Earth is going to get globally warming and we're all going to burn up. The oceans are going to rise, none of which has happened geologically. You know, when, the, when continents change, when the Earth you know, oceans rise and oceans fall. It's massive amounts of energy involved. You know, start thinking about continental drift or the planet expanding or the five extinctions, you know, that, that are going through wiping out the dinosaurs. Yes. Explain how complex that was and how much massive energy, you know, massive comet hitting the Earth, uh, having uh, massive volcanic activity. That lasted millions of years before the dinosaurs were gone. It wasn't an overnight event, but in geological time, it was an overnight event. Okay, so people have got to get their heads around the fact that, uh, you know, what I, the science in this book demonstrates is that hydrocarbon fuels are a natural product of the Earth, that within the carbon cycles of the Earth, within the various cycles that the Earth has to reset to recirculate, including temperature, we can burn hydrocarbon fuels safely. They're, they're a product of the Earth, and they can be burned safely. I and it will not cause global warming. Uh, we'll have, we're in a global warming period right now, and we ought to be thankful because there's more green, there's more food, it's better for people, it's better than an ice age in which nobody can move around at all, and half the northern hemisphere goes into hibernation. And then the the ultimate reasoning is for profiteers of fear and governments to rake in massive amounts of trillions upon trillions of dollars from the ordinary man. And I need our people to understand there's a reason that from 1929 to 1975, I mean, think about that span of time in this country. Gas fluctuated between 25 cents a gallon 
And what caused the major pushback against government and the, the American Democrats was when it broke 50 cents a gallon. For 40 years, gas was affordable. That's the bulk of wealth creation and growth and quality of life in this country. Because if you do not have cheap energy, cheap ways to heat and cool your house, and cheap ways to expand a private economy, you only have government-controlled one. And that is really the goal of these these bald-faced liars, as far as I can see it. Well, you know, the whole idea of reducing our standard of living on a, a, a fairy tale is the idea of how powerful fear is a psychological motivator for people. And if they can get people at risk, you've had crazes going on since there have been human beings where they all decide they've got to uh, go kill the witches or have um, inquisition and kill the heretics. These, 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 these popular delusions are easier to sell to human beings than the science, which takes you know, a lot of, uh, of thinking and work. But for instance, what I'm pointing out consistently in this book, uh, for instance, I look at some research that was done uh, on measuring over millions of years Factors like uh, the effect of cosmic rays, the effect of Earth currents, uh, all these factors are not going to be measured in the last 10 or 20 years to say that the Earth is getting warmer or cooler. Time series analysis, statistically, that's nonsense. You don't know in 10 or 15 years, and a trend which effectively is hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years long, one little snapshot's not going to tell you what you're looking at. I love it. In fact, what you've got people, I try to make in this book the science very readable and understandable. I try to really go through and make explain it to people. But for instance, when you deal with measures which I look at, like the, the you know total solar irradiation, which hits the Earth, basically. There have been very few attempts to reconstruct that data over geological time because mostly the data is unavailable. But when you look at artifacts of that data, which is you know various effects you can measure in how the core samples, you know, ice samples or other technical ways, you can basically recreate temperature geologically in the Earth. And these types of measures basically show that uh, the you know the irradiation of the Earth, the sun hitting the Earth, you know, it's, it's a huge light bulb that has to. Sun heats Earth, mm-hmm. and when the sun's less intense, the Earth is colder. When it's more intense, the Earth is, is warmer. It has nothing to do with the amount of carbon dioxide we produce from hydrocarbon fuels. It's so infuriating, Doctor. It is so infuriating that they've been able to create this pathological misinformation on just bald face lies and that's why i love the name of your book i absolutely love it i think it takes it on directly and that is the sign of courage because you know you said something in the beginning how they want to burn people at the stake who refuse to chant the misinformation and you look at how many people have been swindled and how complacent they've been in the fact that they've been wrong For 70 years, the name of the book is The Truth About Energy, Global Warming, 
and climate change. We are going to do this every week. Next week, I want to go a little bit into the financial. And I love how the names are the same names you've been combating for what I can count 40 years and the same swindles, the same carnival barking. Yet there's a lot of money to be made in this lie. And that's what I want to talk about next week. Can you do that? Well, and also I want to get into some of the science because when you understand the science, I mean, for instance, I'm looking at a paragraph in the book right now. Mm-hmm. It says basically, you know, we can't measure the sun irradiation over geological time. We don't have the data. But yet if you look at artifacts like carbon-14 and various other artifacts and extend those back, you can do a reconstruction of solar activity into geological time. And so you can basically see that uh, over time, the Earth has had changes, massive changes, whether it's hotter or warmer. And they have not been correlated with changes in the carbon dioxide of the Earth. And these measures exist. And the science exists looking at isotopes, looking at various factors, but the chemical composition of the Earth geologically over time, where this whole idea that carbon dioxide is the thermostat of the Earth is nonsense. I love this. Because what you're doing is proving with actual truth and fact that this is a lie. And that is the greatest threat to a lie, is the truth. And that's why I love the book. And we got to save a little something for next week. And by the way, next week, we're going to do this via Skype. So they'll be able to log on to Rumble. And we're going to have it on the website. And you could see um, yours and my face which I think is a big seller. I, you know, I don't know. I, I think you're a very handsome man. Me, on the other hand, I'm like a shorter George Hamilton. So I think it's going to be a big seller. And I want to thank you very much for what you're doing because I have daughters, but I don't have grandkids. I want them to have the opportunity, the freedom, and the liberty that our generations have given away. And it's going to be through books like you, like the, this book, and it's going to be through authors like you who never back down and always take on the lies. Thank you so much, Dr. Jerome Corsi, for joining me. I truly, truly appreciate you. Sean, my great pleasure. I look forward to the future programs. Thank you. We'll talk to you next week. We'll be back after this. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.